Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie, and on this episode, we're doing the 37th Best Picture winner, My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady is a 1964 American musical adapted from the 1956 Lerner and Lowe stage musical, which in turn was based on the 1913 play Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw. Nice. So many inspiration points. So many, which of course, (laughs) Pygmalion taking its name from Roman mythology. Just throwing that out there. Just, it's a lot of adaptations. It's an adaptation chain. It's about poor flower seller Eliza Doolittle, who is taught proper speech and elocution by Professor Henry Higgins in order to help him win a bet. It is directed by George Cukor, which, man, what a betrayal. I really like George Cukor. I do too, and I just felt betrayed that he had a hand in this. It stars Audrey Hepburn and Rex Harrison as Eliza Doolittle and Henry Higgins. It is ranked number eight on AFI's greatest musicals list, beating out Oh no. Meet Me in St. Louis, Greece, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and Beauty and the Beast, among others. But those were the ones I was most offended by. I just I would I will say, I have never seen this live on stage, mm-hmm. and I think I would like it a lot more live on stage. I did not like the adaptation. I'm not sure I would like it more on stage, but that's really I think I would like it more. I still don't think I would like it the most. (laughs) Well, yeah. I think my issues with My Fair Lady are primarily in the fact that I don't think it aged well at all. It didn't. at all, at all. We've had movies before that, like, pretty big aspects of them don't age very well, that we Mm -hmm. really liked the movie because there were other things in it that were very interesting, or it was really good visually or there was some sort of execution that was done really well yeah so i think it's like the fact that not only did it not age well but also it had really poor execution is what made it really not a favorite of ours yeah I'd agree i think it's with those that. i think it's those like that combination there are literally just a handful of scenes that I really enjoy. Right. And honestly, the and part that's up. the worst is the end. I feel like the the way it ends, like if it had ended a different way, it, I mean, it still wouldn't have been great, but it would have been better. I mean, I would also say the first half hour is not. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll basically all the cockney. We'll get into anyway. it. For the most part, they were pretty faithful to the adaptation as far as like songs were. Uh-huh. They there was only one that they cut, and it's basically an instrumental. It's called the busker sequence that happens after the overture. They kept the order of the songs for the most part with a little bit of luck. They kind of I think it's third in the play, and they pushed it to fourth in the movie. Like mm-hmm. just small changes, maybe dropping like a refrain or a stanza here. I think they could have cut more because it is long. And it is not That's interesting enough for it to be as me. long as it is. <laughs> because I, I can't wait until we do Sound of Music next because we're going to have back-to-back musicals that are in some way similar-ish. Mm-hmm. And I'm, if memory serves, Sound of Music, also a very long movie, but the pace is so much better and it's so much more interesting. So, I mean, we'll see when we get there. But like I'm, I think it was paced very poorly. Totally agree. Audrey Hepburn was dubbed by Marnie Nixon, who also dubbed Deborah Kerr in The King and I, another big uh, musical from Uh around that era, and also dubbed Natalie Wood in West Side Story. I knew she sounded familiar. (laughs) And apparently she, I was looking at her filmography, apparently she appears in Sound of Music. So we're getting a lot of Marnie Nixon. Awesome. This decade. Um, Other awards and nominations it got, George Cukor won for Best Director. Why? Rex Harrison won for Best Actor. 
He does a good job of playing a colossal asshole, but I know for a fact Peter Sellers was nominated that year, and so why? (laughs) Um, Best cinematography? Why? The cinematography wasn't actively bad. But it wasn't exciting or actively good either. And again, I know that Dr. Strangelove was out Mm -hmm. that year and nominated that year, and Ian hasn't seen that one, but I'm going to be talking about that one a lot. (laughs) It won for Best Sound. We actually commented on not liking the sound. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she got some and I, not I, I'm great pretty direction sure I was about like, how to deliver those Cockney like, accent could lines. Could they not have done something about like the peaks on that sound? <laughs> it won Best Adaptation or Treatment for Score, uh, score by Andre Previn. That I agree with. Completely. They did an it's amazing gorgeous. job of And leaving. they bring back the right themes. Yes, and they slow it down the right way. So yeah. he did a great job of weaving in the musical score into mm-hmm. the rest of the film, I thought. So that one I, I agree with. Best art direction, I'll agree with that. It is really beautiful sets. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And the color, the Technicolor, is, it just pops. Yeah, I, they, they uh, take advantage of their it. Their sets are era. so pretty. <laughs> um. It also won for best costume design, which I will again I'll also give it give best it costume yeah. design. Yeah. It was nominated but didn't win for best adapted screenplay. It was nominated and didn't win for best film editing, which is another one that I'm pretty sure we both commented on hating I'm the editing. I'm really surprised that it was even nominated because there were several instances of what I viewed as really sloppy cuts. And like it's kind like of I unnecessary s- yeah. ones too. Well, it's like I see what you were trying to do there, but you didn't execute well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Stanley Holloway, who plays Eliza's father, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and uh Gladys Cooper, who plays Henry Higgins's mother, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, which I think both uh, of those yes, to us were, were the standout performances. Mm-hmm. Parts of Audrey Hepburn's performance, I think. In were the second amazing. half, but it just sucked so badly in the first half. It, yeah. Which Oh, let's just, let me go over what else was nominated that year, and then we will jump into it, because that, man, that first half of that movie is rough. So other nominees from that year, Beckett, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, aka the one that should have won. We will watch, trust me, trust me, it is wonderful. Mary Poppins, which I'm not the biggest Mary Poppins fan, but I would give it to Mary Poppins over My Fair Lady. I think they do more interesting stuff with it. They, again, take advantage of the fact that it is a movie musical and not being performed on stage because a lot of this just felt like you were just watching a filmed stage production. And I would much rather, if it's going to be set up like a stage production, I would rather see it live on stage. Yeah, I think they did not take advantage of the fact that it was a different medium for the Mm -hmm. most part. There were like a couple times that I thought they did some cool stuff. But in general, anything they did, you could have done on stage and it probably would have been better on stage. Yeah, I have some specific scenes that I think through that I would have loved on stage that didn't translate. But not the case with Mary Poppins, which is why I would definitely give it over to Mary Poppins. Also, just in general, better performances. Um, And then also last nominee was Zorba the Greek. Fun fact. Like we said, this is an adaptation from the Broadway play. Rex Harrison actually originated the role of Henry Higgins on Broadway. Audrey Hepburn, obviously, since she got dubbed, did not originate the role of Eliza Doolittle. Julie Andrews did. Julie Andrews was passed over for the part of Eliza Doolittle in this film, which from some of the stuff I've read, like not happy about, obviously, even though she originated the part on Broadway. Uh-huh. She was offered the part of Mary Poppins because she was not working on My Fair Lady and Disney wanted her for Mary Poppins. She proceeded to win Best Actress for her role in Mary Poppins. 
I'm really glad that she did. That's a Me fun, too. I a love fun it. turn of events. I, can you imagine how much better this movie would have been with Julie Andrews? I want to say yes, because I have liked Audrey Hepburn in everything that I've seen oh, her in I so consider far. This, I I'm consider this that an the direction, anomaly for her. Yeah, well, and I'm curious if her the direction she was given is part of the reason why she oh, seemed to I'm sure that's not part of it, it well. but I do also think Julie Andrews would have done better. I mean, she originated the part on Broadway. Like, mm-hmm. She would have sung everything. She would have lip synced better. She would have sung better. everything. <laughs> that was a huge part of it. So anyway, let's let's just jump into notes. Yeah, let's I just like it. start. Totally like it. So as, as we, soon as we had an overture, I knew that we were in for it. <laughs> I was not happy with this overture because I already knew this movie was going to be so long. And the overture is just, it's over these like close-ups of flowers, which makes sense since uh-huh. Eliza's a flower seller. But why aren't you doing credits right now? <laughs> why is it just close-ups of flowers? Yeah, these are our minor gripes. And like, to be totally clear... A long movie does not automatically turn me off of a movie. No, we've rated some long movies very highly. Yes. It's where there's a lot of... Uh, it's when I feel like there's a lot of unnecessary... Like when I, It's unnecessarily long. And when it's not well-paced. Yes. That's, I think, harder to do with a long movie than it is a shorter movie. Uh-huh. Like you just have... Actually, if you were just doing better with your pacing, then the long movie wouldn't be as long as it was because you would have known to have cut <laughs> some stuff. But Yeah. I'm going to be picky on pacing when it's a long movie because if I'm going to sit there for three to four hours, you better I want actually them have something to say. To have been <laughs> like, yeah, I want it to have said something in all of those three or four hours. Yeah. I don't want to go out of that thinking like 30 minutes of that, like I could have had back <laughs> if someone had just been a little better with their decisions. Yeah. So we open up on a scene of the upper class coming out of what I believe was like an opera house or something mm-hmm. along that line. We watched the same um, shot of a car pulling in a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. Which again, costumes, gorgeous. Right. And the way that they were set off from the set, I think was beautiful. But this whole scene of trying to find taxis and then having the flower girl, Audrey Hepburn. Trying to sell flowers. Was kind of, it wasn't a very elegant way to introduce everybody in my mind. It felt very like, oh, so what's happening? Why is this happening? I don't have good motivations for. I don't know. I was so I was fine with that. Like she's obviously just doing her job. Like I felt it was okay. The part I hated is the way they introduce Henry Higgins's character of like this stuffy phonetics professor. Is this guy goes up to Eliza and he's like, oh, be careful what you say. There's a guy behind this pillar Uh taking notes, writing down everything you say. She freaks out about out of like, and I didn't feel like her freak out was like warranted for that occasion. Like it's weird. She but, went like, zero to a hundred. You start just screaming in, in an unintelligible, beat. terrible Cockney accent about who let her get away with that accent. It's horrendous. And I couldn't understand half of it. We turned on subtitles <laughs> and it's not one of those things where it's like, Oh, the whole point is that she speaks so badly you can't understand her. They were like, she speaks badly, but what she's saying is actually important to understanding, like, basics of the film, like, mm-hmm. basic plot and character. I Who let her get away with that? I know that's a rhetorical How? question, but, like, the entire production crew on <laughs> directors and It's so weird to me <laughs> that George Cukor would let that happen because, so, he's not the, the credited director on the final cut of Gone with the Wind because uh-huh. there were... That production was riddled with issues, but he was the original director brought on for it, and he was super meticulous about 
especially getting Olivia de Havilland and Vivian Lee coaching for accents Mm -hmm. and like was very big on like, with the exception of Clark Gable, because Clark Gable just refused because he was Clark Gable, (laughs) but getting people coaching so that their accents for that movie were as close as they could be and correct. I think from watching that movie, like that the accents are very good. Mm -hmm. So how does somebody who cares so much about it there (laughs) just let this happen? Hey, it happened. It was so bad. And matching her, the over the top accent, which is by the way, only at screaming level. Oh, that was going to be my next point. That is the biggest issue that I take with Audrey Hepburn's performance before she switches to proper English. Yes, we're going to separate her performance into, I think it pretty much aligns with the intermission, right? Before Uh, intermission, Rain in Spain. I would say after Rain in Spain. I still think her performance sucks everything up until the ball. You didn't like her in I Could Have Danced All Night? I thought that was nice. No. Her facial expressions were whack. (laughs) Like, she looked insane. Then yes, if you're thinking pre and post ball, then I'm thinking pre and post ball. I thought everything after the ball, I was like, that's the Audrey Hepburn I know and love <laughs> from classics like Breakfast at Tiffany's yeah. and like uh, Roman Holiday. I was like, that's the Audrey Hepburn I know. Uh-huh. The first half of the movie, I was like, what the fuck is going on with her? Like, is she okay? Has somebody <laughs> checked in? Because her facial expressions are insane. Like, she's got bug eyes the whole time. She's screaming everything like she seems like a crazy person and yeah and i'm sure this was the direction she plays it so stupid and i don't think the character of eliza is supposed to be stupid especially given everything in the second half of the movie uh-huh. and the way she talks about and articulates her feelings and you could be like oh but she learned how to talk properly just because you don't talk quote properly doesn't, doesn't mean, you're, mean you're stupid and just because you're poor doesn't mean you're stupid and i feel like that's what this movie said a lot of the time well and it said it overtly too right. so but and, which flies in the face of one of the lines she says later in the film that i think is a core premise and should have been like a core like moral theme and whatever of this movie is when she says the difference between a lady and a flower girl is not how she acts. It's how she's treated. Yes. Therefore there should not have been such a wide gap in the way the character of Eliza acts throughout the <laughs> entire movie play, whatever the thing that should really change is her speech and therefore how she's treated. I'm, I am with you a hundred percent. And that's, that's you. my main, com- like, Hey, I've I've been letting you rant basically this whole time. I, so just stop me when you need to. But I. But no, that that's the crux of the the issue that I take with her performance in the scene. And then even when we move into oh, what's the title of the song? It's a room somewhere. Um, uh, wouldn't it be loverly? Ah, uh, that's it. Wouldn't it be loverly? This kind of starts moving into my second gripe with this musical. So the song itself, it's it's a total earworm. I would say, yeah. Maggie's we were... been singing alternative lyrics the entire time. Because I only know like the first <laughs> line of each verse. So I've been making up my own for the rest of it. But the tune is really good. Yeah. And the orchestration is phenomenal. And the lyrics in that song are good too. Because mm-hmm. I would say by and large... There are probably like four to five songs in this musical that I really like and the rest I'm in on. But the songs I'm in on, my issue is never with the tune. The tunes and the orchestration are great. It's always that I don't like the lyrics. Yeah. But my issue with this particular number is... How boring it is? It's The choreography is... Such a travesty that it's so boring to watch. Every single song... People are just kind of walking around with fervor. The choreography in this movie is like non-existent. 
There was a little bit with like a cart that Audrey Hepburn like walked up and down and stuff. And that was kind of interesting. And they had some nods to her being a crushed cabbage leaf, which like what what kind of. They could have done so much more. Like I was like, you have access to like professional actors and dancers Mm -hmm. here. Like this is not a community theater show. Like, (laughs) come on, let's go. Let's go. I want to see some stuff. Yeah, I, I go back to thinking about An American in Paris and that dance sequence. I mean, even Gigi, which Gigi's music wasn't as good as this, but like the camera was more dynamic and the uh-huh. choreography for the most part was more interesting. I can think of some exceptions in Gigi where I, it had similar choreography to this. That was a lot of just people walking around and like yeah. lip syncing, but still, yeah, still, like they're it, just, they could have done no, so much more than what they did. Yeah, there was no like big, really like breakout song choreography wise in this like it was all kind of boring yeah that's going to continue to go through out the film yeah i don't think we are going to need to say that again like it's just a general truth for this one that kind of opens the first sequence where i i think that we were supposed to get some sort of feeling from audrey hepburn's character that she wanted to be more than just the flower girl didn't really see it Regardless, next morning, yeah, we get a better introduction to Higgins and uh, and if Colonel... she if her accent in the scene where she goes to ask for the elocution lessons, uh-huh. if her accent had not been so egregious and if her acting had not been so awful and over the top, that could have been a really fun character scene for that character. Like if she hadn't been playing it like she was a complete idiot. Then you could have seen like this savvy person who wants to like go in and like raise her station in life and is like ready to just like go in and be like, okay, yeah, uh-huh. like you talk a big game, but here, let's let's do let's it. Let's actually yeah. show me that you can actually do it, which would have been a really interesting take on that. It would character. have been more I feel like if she'd put up more of like a savvy front too, it would have made the interplay between the characters of Eliza and Higgins a lot more interesting and could have resolved some of the issues we have with like the the development or lack thereof of their relationship until uh-huh. very suddenly at the end. Yes, completely agree. Yeah, so to, to jump into that scene, we get an introduction of Colonel Pickering as well as more of a view of Higgins with his like tuning forks and doing his weird, crazy, mad science, well, gentleman he's, scientist things. No, he's mad. He's the worst. He, he really is the worst. Why are people friends with him? I don't know. I think Colonel Pickering finds him amusing. Yeah, but like, come on, Colonel Pickering. And also Colonel Pickering lives in his house. I'm sure. Does he? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized that. I mean, but that makes one of my alternate, alternate endings ending. that I pitched so much better. I well, pitched like three to four alternate endings for this movie over the course of In this particular alternate ending, Colonel Pickering and Higgins decide that they're actually in love. Yeah, and then Eliza gets to marry Freddie, and everyone lives happily ever after. Um, but yeah, Pickering is there, and they're they're talking, listening to recordings about different sounds, and there's some like polyphonic throat singing that happens in there which i'm kind of wondering why they it was just weird just super weird maybe that did something to kind of help us better understand higgins's weirdness and focus on his quote-unquote craft um his craft that is so far recording other people and berating them (laughs) well he hasn't berated them yet (laughs) we're getting to that (laughs) 
but we do get Eliza very strong-willed coming up to the house. The the woman who runs the house housekeeper. Mm-hmm. What I don't I know a good name. title for her because she's not just a housekeeper. I would say housekeeper. Like she, yeah, you would say housekeeper. Like she runs. She's like the headmaid. But that would be the house the housekeeper. Okay, then yes, she's yeah. the housekeeper. She's running um, the household. She keeps the home. She's super. She's like, why is this person reticent. here? Yeah, she's questioning why a woman who is screaming at her in a Cockney accent. Bad Cockney accent. <laughs> is coming in to talk to the doctor, which I do find it interesting how the doctor is so willing to come up with a new, quote, interesting accent that walks in the door. Because all that Eliza is to him is a collection of sounds when she speaks. And she almost completely stays that way to him throughout the movie pretty much we'll get more into She's that never as a human we see being lack of a car- character ever. arc <laughs> but there were a couple things in this next scene that i was not a huge fan of the first being as we've said multiple times the single level of audrey hepburn's performance mm-hmm. where it's loud cockney very brash which i love brash if it's multi-leveled and somewhat it's not intelligent like it, it isn't and it's, it doesn't feel that way at it's all. It's literally somebody like screaming at you in a bad accent while their eyes bug out of their heads and they like flail their arms around. Like it's it's like I don't I don't know what's going on. Right. And I honestly at this point still have no vested interest in any of the characters doing anything. Did you ever have any vested interest? I think at the end I had a vested interest in Eliza not being with Higgins. I did too, and then the movie ruined it. Well, you know, we can, <laughs> we can't have everything we want. I had a vested interest in Freddie. That's about it. And well, and I think this started to build a case of me wanting Higgins to have his downfall because he does a couple things. One being the scene with the chocolates where I'm kind of like, she's not a dog. What are you well, doing with these We're chocolates? like, she's not a dog because he gets her to stay and agree. After he sits there and just insults her yeah. for like 10 minutes, he gets her to agree to stay and let him teach her so that he can win this wager he and uh-huh. Pickering decide that they have. And she, they... She knows going in that there is a wager, which is like the one thing that I will give this movie is that at least the person who's the subject of the wager knows that they're the subject of the wager. Uh But she's going to storm out and he gets her to stay by like offering her chocolates and being like Ian said, treating her like a dog. Well, and that. But here's the thing. I get mad because I'm like, don't treat her like a dog. But then she acts like a dog. I see how that was supposed to be played off as comedic but like it wasn't like i was but this is a perfect example of stupid nobody would do this don't think it aged well well and considering again the stuff her character says and does in the second half of the movie she shouldn't be an idiot in the first half of the movie (laughs) yet she, she is played as such now we do get a Another completely baffling scene almost immediately this after she agrees. one of the few that I thought was fairly well shot, though. I don't think the office scenes Oh, were not the office poor, scene. Well, no, oh. I, I'm, I don't think they were poorly shot. And the set was gorgeous. And so it was somewhat interesting to look at. But I do agree that the bath scene was yeah. really cool. How they worked the they, smoke in yeah, and they have the, the steam camera. rising off the bath. And then it eventually fills up the room because Eliza starts caterwauling screaming like a wild animal about not getting in the bath and refusing to take her clothes off because they're like get in the bath she acts like she's never like she doesn't know what a bath is and there i refuse refuse to believe that this grown-ass <laughs> woman in edwardian london doesn't know what a bath was 
sure, she probably doesn't take a bath every day or all the time, but she would know what a bathtub is. And this is a time when you have like cars and other like automations and stuff. So it's not like the apparatus of a bathtub should be frightening her. So I agree. But it's shot well, and I just wish that they could have muted all the screaming that was hurting my my ears. And we very quickly roll into Higgins and Pickering talking about all of the screaming in his office. And we go into this horrible song, which he kind of speak sings, talk sings, sing talks. Yeah. Doesn't really sing. Rex Harris, I feel like these numbers are not particularly challenging for the part of Henry Higgins. Oh, completely agree. And the whole premise of that song I took issue with because oh, it's yeah. it's the whole we'll never understand women. They're so different from men. And well, he's like, this is not the only song in this no, film that no, no. This deals is with the that first quote one. theme. But here's the thing. Considering what his character arc should have been, I think the song, that early version of that song uh-huh. – it would is have appropriate, played well. right? Because you have this grumpy old man, but he keeps talking about how he just like can't stand women and like doesn't like being around them because of like. Then you have to talk to their friends, like just basic human stuff. That he's like, cannot believe that he would ever want to like get married and like want to be with women and all that stuff uh-huh. because of it. But like his issues with women are. S- either incorrect to make as like a generality or they're like the stupidest things to be like that annoyed and upset about. (laughs) Yeah. Or there are things where I'm like, if, if you don't want to talk to her friends, you just be polite and then excuse yourself. Like, I don't understand why this is an issue. I don't know. It was just, it was terrible. And then I also was sitting there and I wanted to be like Henry Higgins. There is no way that you as awful (laughs) as you are, have that many women clamoring to be in your presence. I guarantee you it is less of an issue of him having to deal with all the women fawning over him and more of an issue of he's mad because women don't want to be around him. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly, I'm surprised men want to be around him. I'm surprised anybody wants to be around him or work for him. He's the worst. I mean, his, we'll get to it, but his mother is the odd, well, at least us. His mother is us in the film. Yes, I love his mother, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, you should have raised your son a little bit better. Or but then, a nanny to raise him better. Right, I guarantee she she did not raise, did him, not raise him. Or as Ian pointed out, maybe the father was terrible. So <laughs> it could be, could be that too. But yeah. anyway, I was don't just really wondering know. how such a badass woman had such a horrible son. Yes, agreed. Now we've set all this stuff up, and I want to say this was almost a full third of the movie to get us to this point. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, not much has happened in this this time. So going back to that pacing issue, this should have happened much more quickly in my like back to back. Yeah. The the whole meat well, of this not film much has happened, and we don't care about any of the characters exactly. So in my mind, this was not time well spent. No, not at all. <laughs> After that whole kerfuffle of a scene with the bath and that horrible song. We get the first time that he threatens her with corporal punishment. <laughs> Wait, was this in when she was all strapped into the machine saying her vowels? Maybe. At one point he tells <laughs> the housekeeper, like, if she doesn't cooperate, hit her. Oh, my goodness. It- <laughs> I just I, I just remember, people, that he's going to threaten her with stuff like that and with calling the police multiple times. That becomes important later in the film. 
Yeah. There's a moment yeah. when I'm pretty sure I like almost flipped the coffee table. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got so mad. Yeah. So the, this next sequence of scenes is Eliza learning to speak, quote, proper English. I'm using square, scare quotes a whole bunch in this because, yeah, because I don't actually agree with the premise of because many of these things. language is a living, breathing organism that changes and evolves over time as new sciences and technologies and social systems introduce new words into the vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. Unless uh-huh. it's French, Maggie. Fuck you, Henry Higgins. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ian. Commonly known, the French never invented a word for car. That's not true. Even French, which is a very standardized language, mm-hmm. does change and evolve. Exactly. Sorry, I just every time he was like talking about properly, I just oh, I I cringed the entire time he would talk about that. So, and as a reformed grammar person, I'm like, it's extra cringy for me because if you get your point across and everybody understands what's going on, what's the issue? Also, it's so. the groups that actually contribute the most to the evolution of language that are usually the most maligned mm-hmm. by how they speak. Yeah, because it moves from the outside to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like, even your accent and the way you're pronouncing stuff, like, again, it changes over time. It's based on class. It's based on where you are, like, geography-wise. Like, it's just, you can't get mad at people for it, Henry Higgins. Oh, but you can. It's a character flaw that he never gets over. <laughs> so It's just a character trait. It's just a trait. I feel like a flaw is a thing it's a, a character overcomes. Flaw. It's just there. <laughs> But the next next sequence of scenes, we get a view of poor Eliza strapped into this machine. Why, saying her why does she have to be strapped down? Because we're in Edwardian times, Maggie. It's all apparatuses, apparati. App- what's the what's the plural? Appar- anyway, apparat- apparati. All uh, mechanical looking things <laughs> <laughs> have to be torture like devices. So. She's doing all of this work, and at the same time, we're getting the servant singing about how poor Mr. Higgins is, like, running himself raw, trying to figure out how to get this underprivileged while, woman to while speak he properly. berates her at every turn. I actually, while watching this, Googled, are Henry Higgins' methods correct? And I found an article by like a speech therapist that was like basically everything he does except for one thing is a terrible way to teach somebody (laughs) like how to speak yeah and the one thing that his is good actually does turn into kind of a funny scene but they could have made it funnier remember nobody did anything about the burning piece of paper let's describe this scene because i think they could have done it better i think it could have been funnier this is also maybe the only time we have chuckled in this entire movie that it's supposed (laughs) to be a comedy so they are sitting, there is a bit too where he's like putting marbles in her mouth so that she has to talk around marbles and she swallows one. And I did kind of chuckle at his reaction where she goes, I swallowed one. And he goes, well, it's fine. I have more marbles. And then just starts putting more marbles in her mouth. But I was like, maybe you should just not put marbles in her mouth. Yeah, because she's going to choke and die. It also doesn't help at all. Like, that's a terrible method. But the one that is actually apparently kind of legit is when he's trying to teach her not to drop her H's. Mm-hmm. at the beginning of words with the fire apparatus right so he has this thing set up that has like a flame going and then she speaks into like this funnel that's connected to the apparatus we're gonna use that word a lot the apparatus that has the flame and she's supposed to do like this tongue twister that has a lot of h's in it like hanover hurricane yeah so every time she goes huh 
it's supposed to like flicker the flame. So it shows her visually that she's not dropping her H. Uh Uh-huh. So she's doing it, and she's kind of entranced by the mechanism, though her eyes are too wide. And I'm like, at this point, you've seen a lot of weird shit in this house. Why are you surprised? But It's just fire. She's got a piece of paper that she's holding that has, I'm assuming, what she's supposed to be saying Uh on it. And you have Higgins and Pickering talking in the background. And she's, like, doing well, and you see the flame flickering. And then the paper she's holding is too close to the flame because she's not paying attention. And it catches on fire, which is funny but what i wanted her to then start doing is doing the like rhyme and the h's and the huh like the breathing <laughs> to try and at put the, it out yeah to try and put out the flame on the paper like i thought that would have been funnier that would have been funnier even pickering and higgins reacting more urgently to it could have had some comedic effect they yeah. were just kind of like oh something's on fire okay Come on now. (laughs) We did kind of skip over one song, the Death to Mr. Higgins song that Eliza sings. Yeah, the Henry Higgins Just You Wait or something. Yes. And I appreciated getting... Just You Wait, that's what it's called. Yes. I appreciated getting some insight into Eliza's view, which I totally agreed with. And it wasn't particularly interestingly shot it was in this like tiny foyer area and they did this thing with the camera where they kind of focused in on the like a little mini dream and her where like a king comes in and there's i wanted more energy and anger from march down with a firing squad i just didn't believe anything like i it was so clearly somebody trying to lip sync it was so somebody trying to perform Right. One of the things that I love about Audrey Hepburn and like everything else I've seen her in is how natural and charming she comes across. Like even everything looks effortless. Even in Breakfast at Tiffany's, which the whole point of the character of Holly Golightly is that she is performing Mm -hmm. this personality and persona that she has crafted for herself. Even then, like Audrey Hepburn feels real. Right. And this entire one is I was like, this person's just like trying to perform for me and they're not doing a good job at it. Definitely agree. And again, it's the in Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is the most recent thing that I've seen. It feels like an effortless performance, yeah. and which means that she disappears into the character as opposed to the well, it's kind of like you wear the clothes versus the clothes where you this character wore. wore her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so not, not a huge fan regardless. I like the song though. Oh, the song is great. And again, the projection of the anger toward Professor Higgins. Yeah. Loved it. Needed that. Wanted it. Another thing that I'm not super happy with is the lack of progress that we're seeing throughout this entire sequence, which is long. She's not just going to magically learn to say that the rain in spain falls mainly on Basically, the plane she's saying it in her really bad cockney accent he yells at her and gets really frustrated and is like it's no use dramatic collapse onto sofa and then she like looks dejected and then says it all completely properly I, it's don't validate this man's terrible <laughs> methods of education yeah now, the Rain in Spain song, too, it's the song. most dancing that I've seen so far in this film. Like it's the most. still not that it's interesting, not and I hate that song with passion. <laughs> I think that song is terrible. It's annoying. I seem to recall the musical part of it being fun, I hate but the lyrics were, that. eh, they were okay. They were terrible. They're not as good as I Could Have Danced All Night, which is actually my the absolute favorite song. The song that comes right song. after this. Yes. I think 
Wouldn't it be Loverly might be my favorite. It's the one I keep singing and making up words to. <laughs> That's but I could have danced all night one. is good. But again, Audrey Hepburn's performance, not great. She it's funny that I said that I wanted more energy from her in Just You Wait when she's kind of giving too much of this one note over the top. You don't want more energy from her. You want more believable energy from her. Yeah, that's that's what it is. That's definitely what yeah. it is. For I could have danced all night, though, parts of it I really, really liked, especially when she got upstairs and I also all of the servants were undressing her and things like that. I understand but- – like where that song falls. Because at this point, like literally Henry Higgins has been nothing and will continue to be nothing and they but barely just danced. rude to her. They barely danced. And I, she's probably danced with other people before <laughs> who are better dancers. Like, so totally agree. Before watching My Fair Lady, I, I was super familiar. I to believe familiar. this woman has never danced before. <laughs> but before watching this movie, I was very familiar with I Could Have Danced All Night. It's one of my grandparents' favorite songs. Mm-hmm. But... In my head, I had built it up to it coming after some big, like, coming out ball or a soiree or something more than just saying the rain in Spain. Well, being led around <laughs> a study of a really mean old man. So maybe that's me projecting my expectations, but that's such a grand song to come after such a disappointing, like, prompt. Yeah, it feels like it's coming out of nowhere. I, it, why? Yeah. Like Agreed. Totally agreed. Fortunately, we get one of my favorite scenes after this, though. This is at the races. This part was shot very well. The costumes were amazing. And the choreography in this one, actually really good. Oh, but loved it. It was really good kind of because of the lack of choreography, which worked <laughs> in this standpoint. Because we get the scene of all of the upper crust at the race horse races. This is their, like, trial run. Yes. So before we even get to see... Eliza and Higgins and Pickering, we we have setting the scene of every one of the upper class in their stark black and white costumes mm-hmm. with their over-the-top hats and all of the men in the perfect same suit that's in the fashion of the time. And the way that they set the scene in this very stage-like set, which, mm-hmm. again, liked how it was stage-like here, it, I think it can be used effectively in I think in they film. could have done the same idea with the, like, expressionless rigidness and that color palette mm-hmm. in a not stagey way though and it still would have worked totally agree but, but yeah, I, I liked I didn't, it here, i didn't mind least. it here. and i loved how the way that all of the characters moved when interacting with each other was this highly mechanical kind of movement around each other where it's very clear that they're trying to say that these people are hyper aware of everybody around them and how they're viewed and kind and of everybody it's a moves very rigidly. Like there's really not place for personality. Right. So I thought that was some fun commentary. Yeah. Well, like about, I love when they're just like, oh, look, the race has started and everyone slowly puts their glasses uh-huh. up and then they're like, ah, they won. Exactly. Like, there's just no well, emotion and they're silent and no the expression. entire time that the horses are running mm-hmm. and even when they run by, which is beautiful. Yes. Because we get a second race in a minute. <laughs> which I still but Audrey Hepburn's performance overdone in it. But I like the idea of it. Having been to a horse race, I'm not sure it was actually overdone for somebody who was like super into it. I don't, but there's <laughs> nothing that would have led me to believe that she would have been that into it. Well, obviously, the lower classes that speak in a Cockney accent are like she all never about said, betting like, on I horse races. I love the races. <laughs> for her character, I agree. There, that kind of comes out of nowhere. Like... <laughs> First, we see Higgins. We get introduced to his mother, which, uh, finally. Love her. What a goddess. Love her. 
He's like, I brought this What a this disagreeable person. surprise is how she <laughs> greets him. I was like, that must be how everybody <laughs> greets him. And if and it isn't, it should be. I know. And in all fairness, he wasn't a horrible suit. And she comments on it. And I'm yes. like, yes. It's really bad. But it does set him out a little bit. So we do see that Higgins maybe a little bit, for all of his pretensions, maybe also a little bit of an outsider, which would have been great if they had then played with that idea and made that the reason as to why he feels drawn to Eliza. And then he starts being nicer to her instead of just berating her constantly. Like maybe it comes from like a self-hatred or something, but alas, (laughs) (laughs) we are given no such nugget of character development. We do get Eliza too. And this is where I think the costuming Mm -hmm. shines. Everybody's in this black and white, and Eliza has these bright pops of color. Well, she's almost completely black and white, but then she has like the yellow and orange Uh and purple, like little bit of flowers in her hair. So she's becoming more like them, but she's not them quite yet. Exactly, and they keep the kind of flower theme going with with her background Mm -hmm. and the fact that she wants to be a flower girl in a shop and do all the stuff. I I think that's a a nice consistent way to be presenting her throughout this. Um, So again, super effective costuming, gorgeous love, loved honestly the way that this scene looked too. Yeah. It's very pretty. Probably my favorite. (laughs) I also do love her delivery of how do you do? How do you do? So that that was a bit comedic. This is when we get to meet Freddie. And Freddie, what? Why are you not with Freddie? Precious, precious little person. He's just so sweet. Just want to like pinch his little. And she has like some slips in the way she says something, and she'll correct herself, Uh or she'll overpronounce something a little bit. And Freddie like notices it, but finds it endearing. Right. Which becomes our theme for Freddie, and then he loves Eliza for her perceived flaws. As opposed to And Higgins, not in spite of them. Who is very much an in spite of them person. <laughs> Regardless, race starts. We get the same setup as last time, which again, I love how this parallels. And everybody's silently watching. And all of a sudden, Liza completely gets super falls. into it and swears. Oh no. And in a Cockney accent, gasp. Yeah, she immediately loses her pretentious accent, which I was like, no. And then she's like, starts screaming like she wants there's the horse not to enough win. build and i'm like oh. no one's gonna be when you realize nobody else is cheering you're not gonna just get louder and louder you're gonna be like oh and back off <laughs> <laughs> well she was super into it I, what wasn't it freddie Freddy's like horse. exactly um which again clearly freddie comes from money so later when everyone's <laughs> <laughs> and by everyone, I mean Henry Higgins is yelling at Eliza that she can't marry Freddie because how will they live? And Eliza says she'll support Freddie. Freddie has money. I'm he pretty sure Freddie has money. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be an issue. Well, you never know. Call me crazy. Scene ends. They go back to the house. Higgins is like congratulating himself because he's an asshole. Don't worry about it. That scene is not super important. No. What is important is Freddie comes to call on Eliza. And I love how he brings flowers mm-hmm. and is like, hey, come on, let's, let's, I want to see her. And the housekeeper's like, no, she doesn't want to see anybody ever. And he says he's going to wait. <laughs> Which Ian turned to me and said, I relate. <laughs> the housekeeper said she didn't want to see anybody ever. <laughs> but then he says he's wait, going to wait. And Ian and I were like, should we leave? I don't. Oh, my goodness. We then get his song on the street 
Where You Live, Mm -hmm. which another really pretty song went on for a long time. Mm -hmm. We could have cut a verse or two. I'm super confused as to why they shot it the way that they did. Super voyeuristically. It was. It's the who's wearing his skin to the next race sort of shot. Like, Like, that is a song that could, if played a certain way, come across as Freddy being really creepy. But I thought the actor played it really well, Uh and I didn't think Freddy as a character at all seemed creepy. But... The camera seemed creepy. Yeah, because we were at a pretty low angle. We were always looking through bushes or yeah, flowers. Or like some fencing or, or something. And From this fairly comes back. far away. So I'm kind of like, why why are we not getting this like nice, sweet? I was like, are we committing a crime right now? <laughs> I was super confused. Didn't didn't understand the mix odd. of the shots with the, the lyrics. It was an odd choice. It was again, the colors were pretty. But I super confused. Super confused. Also, Freddie, why are you going to stay there forever? He wasn't. And we see him <laughs> later. He clearly had changed clothes. It's metaphorical. Don't His heart you, is forever on the street where she lives. Don't you dare bash Freddie. <laughs> I get the impression he's a little bit simple. He's sheltered. Okay, we'll go with sheltered. Because he has money, which means that they don't need to worry. Yeah, fair. Very fair. But again, setting him up for us to like him a whole bunch. And we do. We do like him. And I think this is where we pretty much move into intermission right around this time. I, we get a little uh, more interaction. So the intermission with falls. There's a little bit more interaction. They're getting her ready for the ball. We see her in her beautiful princess Again, white the dress. Costuming. Yeah. Oh my god, the jewelry her that she had on with that amazing. jeweled collar. And then Henry Higgins sees her coming down the stairs, and I was like, oh, now that you have her all dressed up like a society person, and you think she looks really pretty, like, now you're going to suddenly be in love with her. He continues to completely be awful to her. Yeah, treat her like a flower girl. Yeah, but... Uh, but the costume still, she has this red yeah. velvet cloak, mm-hmm. and, and then, then the, his cloak the has purple the... purple mm-hmm. lining, yeah. Oh, so... It's really good. Uh, redeeming and, qualities and Pickering's of just so proud of her i, I like know Pickering he's more than so I like sweet i think that's why pickering's always around so we don't like completely lose faith i mean anything. i i do though <laughs> i've lost i did i ever have it i don't know yeah i don't know but and i'm sorry we see her before intermission and then right. intermission happens and then intermission happens and then the we're balls. in the ball but there's the yeah. setup right there yeah exactly so she is Absolutely the bell of the ball. She's and killing I'm it. I'm so glad that she's finally getting the recognition that she deserves. But she even doesn't look like she's having fun. Which I'm confused about. Because she's got to keep up the facade, Ian. And this is an important part to this thing. Somehow, which I refuse to believe that statistically this could happen. Because there cannot be more than <laughs> one person as intolerable as Henry Higgins on the face of the planet. There is another (laughs) phonetics obsessor at that party who's bragging about how he can identify anything about anybody based on their accent and how they talk and all of that shit. And he's bragging. So Pickering's freaking out because he insists that this guy is going to out them. He's going to realize that Eliza's a fraud. And so you have Eliza being asked to like dance with the prince and all of this stuff as this one lady asks that other asshole phonetics <laughs> asshole i was supposed to say expert and i was like no he's really just like an intolerable asshole too to figure out who she is uh-huh. so there is a shot that i actually really liked of eliza and the prince kind of dancing and as they dance down this line of people uh-huh. you see the rumor 
follow like the whispers following them from person to person as they move down the line that dancing cool. and that was really cool i wish i don't they, think the pace was a little bit off when they did it but i liked i liked it in general yes well and she was dancing with the prince at that point yeah. so it was a big deal she had like met the queen I, yeah. I presume that was the queen who was super impressed with her and it it was a big deal like super super yeah. big deal one, Pickering's freaking out the whole time. And I know. Like, no, we got this. We got this. <laughs> the the one one thing with the scene though that typically I've been a huge fan of how the costumes and the set played off each other. I did not like how Eliza blended into the background. In no, these because scenes. it's a mostly white set and she's wearing a white dress, and it is her dress is very similar to a lot of the others in the room. So like, you could make the argument that. She went from very much standing out uh-huh. among those people to, for the most part, blending in, but still having a little bit of that color, that personality. And now she is completely in that world. She completely blends uh-huh. in with that world. But I would have liked her to be just like a little bit more offset from the set decoration. Completely agree. And I was, you took the words right out of my mouth because yeah. I, when I was saying it, I was thinking like, we we need to show her becoming a but well blending in with high society and to some extent she does but even the glitters couldn't make me uh yeah like she can blend in maybe with like the other costumes just not the set yeah i agree with that it's really the kind of celery-ish green walls just didn't do anybody any favors (laughs) i also expected that ball to be a little bit more grand i don't know there were a couple scenes there where yeah it seemed like the the set felt not as grand as it could have been yeah i think it's because all the other sets were so scaled up for the most part that maybe it just didn't it didn't feel as big like in comparison regardless was surprised and slightly disappointed that this normally was so good (laughs) so this is a rip-roaring success and of course they go back and it turns out the guy did the other phonetics asshole did call her a fraud because you know why clearly ian she is Hungarian royalty. <laughs> Commence. Oh my goodness. Henry Higgins and Pickering congratulating each other and themselves. In as, song. And this is. You did it. This is the one bit where I was like, okay, the way they staged this song, I like. Be, and this is also one bit where I was like, Audrey Hepburn performance, killing it. This is what I wanted to see the she entire performance. Is in be. the background the whole time. You can tell that she did not really have that good of a time, that something is bothering her. She's literally in shadow. She literally is in their shadows. Ugh. It's that bit was really good. Oh my god, this character has thought processes <laughs> and emotions that aren't screaming at bathtubs. <laughs> Why haven't we seen this until now? I have no idea, but this th- that is the performance that I was hoping for the entire rest of the time. Same. The end of the scene. Very important. Yes, very important. Comes back down for slippers. It's like time to go it's to like, bed. Eliza, where's my slippers? And she throws them at him and gets very upset because when she's mad that they were congratulating themselves and she, she did all the work. She says, I did this for you. And then he calls her an insect. He's been calling her also like a creature, an insect. A gutter snipe. A gutter snipe. <laughs> um, I think I wrote that one down. He that actually did insult. have some really good insults. He did. We were like, oh, we might Not glad this. with how we, they were deployed, no. but by themselves are Right. Amazing. So he gets mad at her because he he's like, you're taking credit for all my hard work. And I'm like, you berated her and she triumphed in spite of you and your horrible teaching techniques because clearly she's more intelligent than she was being played. She's also terrified 
understandably, about what happens to her now. Uh-huh. Because as she explains, she used to have a job. Like, she used to be able to sell flowers. And now, because he's made her a lady, she there is basically no profession for her. I think she actually says something about having to sell herself because he's made her a lady and she has nothing else to sell. Like, right. women, especially upper-class women or perceived upper-class women, would not have been expected to work. Yeah, so what so is she going to do What does now? she do? Like, what happens to her now? And he basically says he doesn't care. And that you'll be fine. It's all good. He but- dismiss- He dismisses her legitimate concerns. Uh-huh. And I wish she had thrown something harder than a slipper at his head. Well, she missed both. So. <laughs> I wish she had thrown something harder than a slipper and hit her target. <laughs> there you go. Which should have been his head. She hammers it home with the discussion of what is and is not hers. And I love this because it it clearly she clearly understands what sort of power dynamic she's in. Oh, she yeah. wants zero perception that there is any sort of thievery or impropriety with the clothes Again, and the jewels. He has threatened multiple times to call the police on her, slap her for not though. cooperating for things that I'm pretty sure you couldn't get arrested for. Like I don't know what his thought process is, Ridiculous. but he has threatened her with that multiple times. But she's, like, giving back the jewels because they're hired. Yeah. She's like, is this dress actually mine? She asks what clothes she owns. Oh, and he's sitting there being like, don't be ridiculous. Of course. what would?" Because Pickering paid for everything. Yeah, so what would Pickering do with that dress? Yeah. But he gets super defensive all of a sudden. And she says, I don't I hate want him worth, any – I, I hate when hate people get it. defensive because you call them on something that they did that was wrong. like Or some call them on something that's legitimate and right. that they trivialize. Yes. At one point, he kind of, like, walks at her kind of fast. He's not going to hit her, but she cowers and says, please don't hit me. And then he gets mad at her. This is the one. This is he's when I almost flipped the coffee table. <laughs> but we had wine glasses and beer on the coffee table, so I couldn't flip it. Also, it's a heavy coffee table, so. Um, you couldn't flip it. <laughs> I couldn't flip it. <laughs> but emotionally, I flipped that coffee table. He gets mad at her for being worried that he's going to hit her after Again, he has multiple times throughout this film threatened her with violence. Not necessarily from him. Usually he's going to have somebody else hit her for him. But of course, you're you're being angry and unreasonable over her legitimate concerns. And then you kind of charge at her. Yeah, she's fucking afraid. I, all the So much indignancy. Is that a word? I think it's a word. I I hereby call it. (laughs) Just fire. (laughs) fire (laughs) around my eyes so we get a a reprise of just you wait which is such a good moment for this to come in that is actually one little bit that is audrey hepburn's actually voice actual voice because she does it as she's like crying also i'm pretty sure i read that rex harrison his recordings were done live because he was like every time i perform it i do it slightly differently and i was like shut the fuck up rex harrison (laughs) just learn your lines he wanted Tony for that part on Broadway. Well, I didn't see him on Broadway, so I can't comment. I didn't either. I was just going <laughs> to throw that out there. But that was so good. And the way that it was reorchestrated to have some super emotional moving lines in the low strings just heightened that whole experience there. So again, score on point here. She's running away. Get a little bit of the re- reprise of On the Street Where You Live by Freddie. Because he then intercepts her as she's running away. I actually really like this song between the two of them. Yes, but the whole time 
her whole thing is, don't tell me you love me, show me you yes. love me. And he keeps trying, girl. <laughs> he keeps going in for that kiss. <laughs> and she keeps walking away. Tries to carry her case for her. Like, I do all of these nice things. I love that bit where she's like kind of swinging the case as she's walking and he's like trying to like reach over and just like take her case for her, but like keeps, yeah. and she this keeps was, swinging it the other way. It's really cute. It is. And where we talked about lack of choreography, lack of dancing earlier, this is where I think there was good movement and physicality say, not necessarily, it was it was staged well it, exactly yeah. so it wasn't dancing but uh-huh. it was more interesting than yeah wouldn't it be loverly yeah the song in itself i didn't like that much but i thought like the lyrics i wasn't the biggest fan of uh-huh. but it was i thought it was a cute number and it built up our love of freddie a little uh, bit more we already uh. loved freddie so much. <laughs> she's decided she's leaving she's trying to find out where she fits we get that cute scene with Freddie, and now we get this devastating scene at the old flower corner. Mm-hmm. Again, the subtlety of Audrey's performance here. Where was it? So good. <laughs> Where was it for that first half of the movie? Exactly. So she's dressed up in her high-class togs doing her thing. And I wish they could have shown more from the beginning that maybe she was always a little bit different, too, from... Yeah, where she was kind of pretending to fit in. Yeah, I don't know. I just would have added more to the character. But the people who, of course, were there at the beginning with her, and they're all singing reprises of mm -hmm. Wouldn't It Be Loverly, which is really, really well done. Um, But they don't recognize her. And it's so So devastating. she doesn't have a place anywhere with the upper class. She doesn't have a place with lower class. Where does she fit in? Yeah. And it just, it's so... It's so sad. And you get this. She does fit in with Freddie. But you get this. I I really liked the scene around the fire barrel Mm -hmm. where it's kind of a little bit lower. She's in there. And of course, all of them in there are like, what the hell are you doing out here? This is not the time of morning for a a lady of your class to be walking (laughs) alone. Why are you here? And they offer to be like perfect gentlemen and take her like get her taxi and all that and it it just and i was like did you not see the taxi she came in that's literally like just over there (laughs) we can see it in wide shots but it really hammered home how apart she was Mm -hmm. from everything so it loved that set of scenes for their efficacy yes agreed they were the most genuine feeling scenes yeah and then we get the least genuine feeling scene in the entire movie in my own not so humble opinion her father apparently now has four thousand pounds a year of allowance <sighs> okay so at like the very beginning of the film in henry's study he talks about this letter he got from like what is like this millionaire american moralist who like wants him to come speak or something um probably about pseudoscience bullshit to deal with phonetics and class and like I'm just imagining the pseudoscience from that time that would have been stop, rolled up stop. into that. You'll just get angry. I'm already angry. <laughs> Excuse me, angrier. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can be. And it's like a passing line. Well, as Eliza's father, who is now done up in a suit, as we find out he's getting married, because it was previously established that he was not married to her mother. And which I kind of did like that exchange where they're like, well, I presume you married her mother. And he's like, no, (laughs) like kind of gives him weird look and shakes his head. Like, why would I? Um, I think they're just surprised that he wasn't her mother. (laughs) That he or that he like admitted it. He has no shame. No. I actually really like her, the character of her father, even though he could have. You literally could have cut him out of the film and nothing would have changed. Yeah. He explains to Eliza that Henry Higgins wrote to that millionaire American moralist, like about him or like put him in touch 
with him or something. And then the guy died and left him 4,000 pounds a year. So now he's in this middle-class morality and how awful it is. And her mom is now insisting that they get married. Stepmom. Stepmom. It was her stepmom. Um, <laughs> is insisting that they get married because he's respectable. So now she wants to be respectable. But I hate this because I think this is what makes Eliza at the end of the movie go back to Higgins or uh-huh. part of what makes her go back to Higgins. This felt like a romantic day ex machina because they tried to pull a Pride and Prejudice on us, but they <laughs> fucked it up. I felt like they were throwing a bone to be like, oh, look, he's a nice guy. He secretly did this nice thing for her family member who, frankly, she was not that close to and like really not a huge fan of. And quite frankly, and he, Higgins, didn't do the nice thing. Right. Well, I don't think Higgins put her dad in touch with the millionaire American moralist. I just love that phrase. I think it's ridiculous. Can I, I be a mar- millionaire American moralist? Ian, there are two things wrong with you. There are two qualifications that you do not meet. Oh, I'm not a millionaire and I'm not American? A moralist, honey. <laughs> I hate to break this to you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just want the title. I don't want the actual, like... <laughs> but um, I'll take one of those three, and I guess I technically fit the, the other. The moralist? <laughs> yes, Ian, I really want to be a moralist. Yeah, it's not Henry who I don't think he I don't believe for a moment that he put her down in touch with that guy Mm -hmm. with the idea that it would raise him out of poverty. He did Uh, it as a laugh. Yes. And well, I mean, hey, if somebody wants to put me in touch with a millionaire and American. (laughs) Yeah, if any of you guys would think it would be really funny to like hook us up. Hey, I'm down. Uh But yeah, I I think they tried to pull a Mr. Darcy saving Lydia Uh from shame to partially woo Elizabeth Bennet on us, and it didn't work. No. And then we get this inane song about get me to the church on time. I think that song's kind of fun, though. Oh, by itself, so fun. One of the more interestingly shot musical numbers. Yes, had some very sloppy editing at parts, though. Mm, But so did the entire movie. Fair. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure I appreciated at the end when he was carried out on his back holding a lily like he was going to his like funeral. Well staged. I hate the social commentary on it. Also, that's another character that I'm like, I refuse to believe that like you are so popular with the ladies that it is a detriment to you to get married. <laughs> he does get 4000 a year now, though. So. Yeah, that helps. He gets he's a little more of a catch. Got that b- big purse energy. <laughs> I'm cutting that. I hate that phrase. <laughs> so again, this is fun song. Didn't need it. Could have cut it out and the movie wouldn't have changed. Again, like you really could have cut his character and nothing would have changed. And you could have maybe spent a little bit more time on some other characters we cared about more. Yeah. So the next bit. Is infuriating. It's Henry freaking the fuck out because Eliza's gone. And he even makes a comment about how he paid five pounds for her, which I was kind of like, okay, glad that we brought the uh undertone into the overtone mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he sings this hymn to him h-y-m-n to ah, h-i-m ah, i see what you did there uh, that's the homophones great exactly. for audio media <laughs> that's literally the name of the song though <laughs> oh is it <laughs> it is <laughs> um where he's talking about why a woman can't be more like a man and I which, think this... which he starts talking and singing to pickering <laughs> This is, this is when, why Maggie. This had is when this I thought. pitched alternate ending number two. My first alternate ending pitch was I think halfway through. I was oh no, it was actually with the "You Wait" Henry Higgins song. Uh-huh. I pitched a Tarantino version again 
Um, apparently that's my new fix for I find this movie kind of boring. Um, <laughs> but at this point, I pitched my ending where Pickering and Higgins declare their love for each other. And then Eliza gets to go be happy with Freddie. Yeah. I mean, he's literally asking questions like, would you be put off if I forgot your birthday or showed up to dinner late or all of these things that you would do if you were married? There are some things that he's like, would you be mad if I did this thing? And I would be like, I'd be mad if a friend did that, <laughs> let alone a partner. Hey, Pickering's easygoing. You, we know this. If you forget my birthday, it, this is, podcast ends. I'm just kidding. I won't ever let you forget my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that says so much about not me. <laughs> I love birthdays and I love celebrating people's and birthdays. And I hate birthdays, but I'm I celebrate other people's them. birthdays. That's why we make such good friends. Because <laughs> I hate my own. But I love mine. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I really, I, I, this was the second song in the vein of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which is, doesn't age well. It, it also, like, and like I said, the first one. It could have been deliberate. This should have been a change the, of heart. Yes, but instead he's just like, it's very one tone, and you feel like he hasn't changed at all. He's just mad that something he now considers his property has left. And you know the thing that really annoyed me? He was saying denigrating things to his housekeeper to her face in the song about her intelligence. Like, Like, why don't women think? Yeah, and I was like, she's holding a tray of tea. She could just, like, smash him over the head with it. She should. And there's one bit where he's asking his housekeeper, who I'm assuming has been in his employ for many years and probably actually runs the house, like, where's this? Or, like, what time is this thing? And everyone's like, I don't know. He's like, well, Eliza would know. And I was like, did you hire her as a secretary? I don't – why would she know? Uh, uh, I think he thinks uh, that she was paying more attention to him than she was. I just – anyway, I just hate this whole sequence. But he gets mad. And Pickering calls the police, and there's a really long bit of Pickering on the phone with somebody. Just <laughs> oh, like this is hilarious. Chatting that I was like, why are we having this conversation? And he makes him indignant. I don't like the tone you're taking. And it, it's, oh, it's just cause this he's, like he's, high he class fuck having, sort of attitude. The way Pickering is saying that like Eliza's run away, it sounds like he's talking about like his mistress, which is why he then you then get the well, I don't like your tone. Because Pickering, <laughs> Pickering of course doesn't get what he said he's, he's a just lovable a lovable fool a pure soul even though we are mad at him that he was still con- not congratulating eliza on her heart yes um not but not and there is a bit fool without floss yes 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 but more much more lovable than <laughs> he is calling the police and he's like describing eliza he knows roughly her age guesses her height they ask him what eye color <laughs> and hair color she has Hair color, Ian. He cannot answer her hair color. That is the easiest of those four questions. Obviously, <laughs> It is the easiest of the four questions he has asked, and he doesn't know. But anyway, when he can't name her eye color or her hair color, Higgins, like, pokes his head back in the room and is like, her brown. eyes are brown. Her hair's brown. So, so this you're was like, another... oh, he paid attention <laughs> to her hair and her eyes. Awesome. Just the physical aspects of so Eliza. Physical. Again, a scene that I think could be played very comedically didn't quite hit the mark for me in the moment it's because it's because there's been no change in henry higgins's character and he was such an unlikable character from the outset so we have seen absolutely no growth from him to this uh-huh. point so everything he does comes across as a continuation of terrible that's why we saw no thawing in his character uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I just agree. to bring it back in pride and prejudice again that's an example of a story where, you know, you know what? Let's do a movie we've done on this podcast. Let's do It Happened One Night. 
If you have not listened to that episode, you guys should go listen to it. It is maybe my favorite episode we've ever done. I love that episode. (laughs) But you have two characters who, from the very beginning, do not like each other. They do not get along. The male romantic lead, Clark Gable's character, Uh is very curmudgeonly and like kind of an asshole a lot of the time at the beginning. But we see interactions between them that become endearing. We see them both start to thaw and start to change their mentality a little bit and start to see things from the other person's point of view so that by the time they end up together at the end, we are cheering them on and we are like, yes, you two are meant to be because we see those changes in their character because the movie takes time to let them know each other and grow and change. And this movie did not do that. No, it it gave them a lot of time. It gave them too much time, (laughs) frankly. Let's be clear here. Frankly. Regardless, we end up at Higgins' mom's house. And can I just say that Higgins' mother is a treasure. I love her. A treasure. But but basically, she is talking Eliza through why it's so good that you left Higgins. (laughs) And (laughs) he deserved it. (laughs) And what a jerk. (laughs) And I'm like, this is your son you're talking about. What does that say to you? But you know what? I'm glad that she like doesn't try and defend him. Oh, same. I do it, wish she'd in... been a little bit more forceful in the like, whatever you do, don't go back to him. Yes, right. Mary Freddie. Yes, Mary Freddie. <laughs> she did say that, didn't she? I thought she I did. I think she like, does. Like, explicitly. She, yeah, she's like, yeah, Mary Freddie. When Higgins comes in, I actually loved the way that he played this pouting I loved it because of how well it characterized him. But again, this is acceptable early on in the movie. It is not acceptable at this point where we are supposed to be at a certain point in character development and romantic arcs. I've just been hitting the chair with the scrunchie. I'm so mad. (laughs) And this is where you mentioned some of these lines earlier where Eliza gets some zingers. It's where we should it theoretically should be the themes and the message of the movie. And kind of summing the summation Uh of those. I wish that they had, again, done more with the performances and potentially some of the writing Uh earlier on in the film to make me feel like that summation was accurate. Agreed. So the whole the line about being a lady is how you're treated, not how you act. Mm -hmm. The difference between a flower girl and a lady. And he still treats her like shit. And he, his whole point is, I treat everybody like shit, which that doesn't make is a it condemnation better. of his character. But that doesn't, that's not better. <laughs> and also not true. You're very right. Like, look at, look at the way that he treats Pickering. He doesn't treat Pickering like he treats Eliza. No. He doesn't treat his mother like he treats Eliza. No. It's untrue. And also, even if it were true, that still means you're shitty. It's like three red flags wrapped into one. Yeah. <laughs> and he calls her an ingrate multiple times. And a hussy multiple times, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, the way. There was one where heart. I was like, he used that insult already. And you're like, no, he changed the adjective. She's a different kind of hussy. <laughs> this is when she's singing her song, Without You, which is such a delicious song about how she is going to triumph without him. And it doesn't well, matter. It's not just her, though. She's but explaining to him. the world doesn't give a shit about you is yes. what she's saying. Yes. she's Ugh, it's so it, good. Everything will continue without you. The sun will still shine. I'm going to be fine. Like, those weren't actual lyrics. I just realized but they actually (laughs) rhymed. But that's the message of the song. And I loved that. And I wish if only that had meant something to him. Right. Other than, oh, I've succeeded. I'm such a success, which is what he says. I don't understand. He's like, you've become a lady. Yeah, he's like, I made a woman, like I made a real woman. And I was like, what? Fuck you. Also, I, it felt ingenuine i do not believe for a second that like he 
that's what he wanted from her this entire time was for her to fight back. Yeah, not true. Don't believe it. It felt like a weird last minute emotional manipulative gambit. It was bizarre. I did not make any sense at all. It was not great. And Eliza also agrees it was not great. Because she says, you will not be seeing me again. I loved the 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 cinematography. Well, the cinematography of her leaving. Yeah. Because you get her storming out of this little greenhouse, and you see her very quickly walking the other way in the distance to the the door. Of the so house. we know she is a hundred percent left. Yeah, she is out. And out. then he screams for his mother like a two year old child who thinks he just skinned his knee. Not even actually skinned his knee, but thinks he did. He, and his mother comes in, and he. He says, Eliza left. And she's like, yes, Good. of course she did. <laughs> of course she left. She's, oh, I love him trying to complain to his mom. And she's like, get the fuck over it. <laughs> Leave my house. Also, can I just point out for a minute that Higgins' mom's house is amazing. And some of the furniture in it, I want in my house. I, she's the best. Like, there's some Macintosh-like chairs and, like, all the... Uh, it's, like, this beautiful, beautiful art deco set direction. So great. I don't think art <laughs> deco was quite that time period yet. It and looked we're getting, very we're getting There's, like, the movement that's, like, right before art deco that leads in. But I can't remember what it's called. Art Nouveau, maybe. Yes, it's Art Nouveau. It's got the murmurings. Anyway, it's gorgeous. It's so good. <laughs> And we finally get the song where he Higgins is realizing that. Also, he's, I like that when, uh, even though the whole premise of Higgins telling Eliza that she can't marry Freddie because how will they live? He can't take care of her, even though Freddie clearly comes from money. And Higgins's mom is supportive of this. And I don't think she would be supportive of this if she was worried about Eliza and Freddie like being OK. Um, I do like Eliza's saying, I'll support him. I'll oh, become a, I'll become a teacher. And he's like. What'll you teach? And she says, everything you taught me. And he gets so mad. And then I love when she says, maybe that fabulous Hungarian will hire me Zoltan. as an assistant. <laughs> the guy who was wrong about she where she was from. She just knows how to needle him. So that is, I, I did like the small bits of development in Eliza's character. I wanted to see more of that in the first half of the more of that eliza in the first half of the film personality wise because again really her personality and her intelligence shouldn't change that much it should just be the way she talks and maybe the way she carries herself right um maybe she slouched in the first half and didn't in the second half right but like like, she doesn't go from being an idiot to being like super smart and witty it's not how that works yeah as you flat out said in the scene at the races he taught her how to talk but not how to make conversation Yes. So come on. <laughs> yes. Which I feel like they probably taught her how to make conversation after that. But like, they, they but still, to. like she can, she can form thought. Like her emotional intelligence in that scene at the mother's house does not come out of nowhere. No, it should. Well, it, it shouldn't did. come out of nowhere. <laughs> anyway, rapidly coming toward the conclusion, the disappointing conclusion, we get the song about how. Ian, why does he love her? Oh my god, I don't know because he's, he's just used accustomed to her. He's to just accustomed her to her face. Her highs, her lows. I don't. I... The he, this a is lot not of a romantic voice. Her ear, no. Song to me. Also, he says nothing about her personality. It's all very superficial things. He's become accustomed to. Never says he loves her. Just he's accustomed to her. Ian. I, yeah. The man doesn't like change. He paid not a... for it. Did you say four? Five. Five. Oh, please, yeah. I was about please. to be like, come on. I will not 25% more. I, ooh, when was the last time I hated a character this much? 
like one film ago, two films ago. I don't know. I did not hate Lawrence this much. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, I thought you did. (laughs) Not this much. I did not like Lawrence, but I did not feel just deep internal hatred for him the way I do Henry Higgins. So final scene to bring it home and make Maggie really disappointed. Higgins listens. Can you imagine how satisfying, even with that rocky first half, Uh how satisfying this movie would have been if it ended up with Higgins just being alone because Eliza like walked out after he was shitty to her and like married Freddie. I would have been much more satisfied. Yeah. Because I wasn't satisfied at all. No. But anyway, what has happened? (laughs) He puts on her voice speaking in the Cockney accent of that scene way at the beginning when she first asks for lessons. Mm -hmm. He sits in his chair and is all depressed and sad. All of a sudden she walks in, turns off the gramophone and says in her Cockney accent lines that I don't Something. remember. <laughs> Something on. reminiscent of what she said when she first arrived. Well, I think it was word for word. No, what I don't she think it's word for to say word, but it's it's recording. like really close. And then he looks up. Oh no, it is word for oh, it word. Is word. It's for word. I washed my hands and face before I come. I did. Which great. Okay. Woo. Awesome. Yeah, if she'd done that, maybe she shouldn't have been so afraid of the sight of bathwater. I don't know. I'm just saying. And then he's Eliza. Where the devil are my slippers? And just puts his stupid fuckboy hat. On his face. On his face. And like slashes in his chairs and is like, where are my slippers? And I was like, this is what you came back to? Are you happy? I'm not. Go find Freddy. Apologize. <laughs> and marry him and live happily ever after. Yeah. The, I, I have you know what makes me really bad? What? We spent our Valentine's Day watching that movie. Wasn't it even, romantic? I'm not even a big Valentine's <laughs> Day person. But the three of us watched that movie... Instead of, like, I don't know, like, eating cookies or something. Or watching an actual good rom-com. We could have watched Flash Gordon again. Okay, you know what? We could have done a lot of things, but we had to watch My Fair Lady. I know. I'm just so upset. I was not satisfied. It was gorgeous, though. That I will not deny. Even her costume in the end with the high collar in the kind of pink. Yeah, no, it was pretty, but it does uh, not make up for anything else that happened. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) so unhappy. Now Maggie's pouting I'm like pouting. Higgins. I'm pouting better than Higgins. Excuse <laughs> you. And what I am pouting over is legitimate. Ask Ugh. Higgins that. Anyway. <laughs> Lists. Anyway, wait. First, I forgot that I had written this down. I wrote down a list of movies that came out that oh, year, some no. of which were nominated, some of which weren't, that I think are b- better than this. Dr. Strangelove. A Hard Day's Night. Want to talk about cinematography, Ian? Both of those. Marriage Italian Style, A Fistful of Dollars, Father Goose, Mary Poppins, Bikini Beach, which is a Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon beach film, and it is delightful. <laughs> and then also the film that I have not seen, but it's called Roustabout, and it's with Elvis Presley and Barbara Stanwyck, and it just sound I love the name of it, and I just really want to see those two actors in the same film. <laughs> yeah, so basically, this film would not have won in Maggie's mind. God, did no. not win in Maggie's No, mind. it didn't. She's in fact blocking out that it won in the mid-60s. There's Ugh. just this black hole there now. The mid, the <laughs> 60s were a weird time. Oh, but then we We've had s- some really good stuff and we've had like, like, and like, even though like we didn't like Lawrence of Arabia, like it is it was still a, undeniably it was a, a good, good film. film. Yeah. And then we've gotten like weird stuff. There's also four musicals. I think in total, six to eight musicals have won Best Picture. Four of them are in the 60s. Oh, my. It's like a weird... I'm okay with it. I generally like musicals. I do, too, but I'm the ones that win. (laughs) 
with one exception. Save us, our Lord and Savior, Julie Andrews, next episode. Yes, we'll be doing Sound of Music next, which I am super pumped about. I Again, and I realize that people who listen to this podcast are probably like, she keeps saying she loves musicals, but I'm not seeing it. <laughs> it's fine. And it's I fine. like West Side Story fine. I did like, I, I liked West Side Story quite a bit, actually. Okay. So lists. I know clearly where this is going on my list. Um, I think I know, but I have to pull it up to make sure. No worries. So yeah, on my list, I have it at number 33. And so this is after All the King's Men and before The Great Ziegfeld. The Great Ziegfeld, I think, also suffered from some of these pacing problems, suffered from the issue of me not really caring about the characters in a way that was substantive. But And it did have some really good set design in certain places, but My Fair Lady... I think edged it out pretty easily yeah. in terms of set design costume and those, and especially the music um, in terms of all the King's men. I honestly thought the story was a bit more substantive and at least in some of the characters, we saw some development that was m- more clearly presented and that we movie were given was just something to go with. a structural disaster. It, yeah. The structure made it a little bit difficult. Like the editing for sure was, um, not why I thought it was better. <laughs> yeah. Where does that fall for but you in relation to Gigi? I'm curious. It is two spots below Gigi. Gigi oh, is at 31. Because I'm putting My Fair Lady at number 28, which is just above Gigi. Because I hate them both. Well, and don't get but, me wrong. And I think in general, Gigi performances were a little bit better than My Fair Lady. Yeah. But I still didn't think they were great. I think the music... And the set design and the costume design is better in My Fair Lady. And I, uh-huh. it really, for me, is that music. Like, while I didn't like the performances of all the signs, uh, all the songs, and like I said, I'm not crazy about every song, I don't think there were any songs in Gigi I really liked. And <laughs> it was I... It creepy, too. Yeah. I, I mean, they both, they both have, like... They're just both riddled with relationship issues from front to back. But there are like there are some redeeming characters in this in My Fair Lady, even though they're side characters. Uh-huh. We did get like the nice acting bits from Audrey Hepburn in the latter part of the film and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I I think that, but like really for me, a huge part is like score and the fact that like the, for the most part the songs are actually like good songs. And even if the lyrics aren't the best, like mm-hmm. the tunes are all really really good and catchy. So that's why it's winning out over Gigi. What was it below? Uh, Hamlet. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I weirdly find myself thinking about the Hamlet adaptation a lot. I think that haunting is an appropriate adjective to use for that adaptation. It is very visually interesting. More so than this film, and in, in much more of a deliberate way. So anyway, I uh, if you really want to watch it for the music, okay. But I'm I think there are better musicals to spend three hours on. I agree. Like Sound of Music. Yeah. Or if you want one that's, like, similarly lighthearted and, like, a little bit more stagey, watch The Great Race. I don't think it's, like, technically, like, super musically, but it's got some some music and Uh it's fun. But, yeah, not not huge fans here. But that's okay because, like we said, we get to do Sound (laughs) of Music in the next episode. I'm I'm really really excited excited. for that one. I am so excited (laughs) for that one. I've not watched that movie in a while and I'm very excited, too. Same. Until next time, you can find us on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, for more long form stuff, you can write us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, hear your thoughts on My Fair Lady. I do want to know why people. I have heard that this is actually loved by a lot of folks. Yeah, it's a very, and it's so a very beloved one. I want to know what other people see in it that I am missing. So let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear. 
Tune in next time for Sound of Music. Thank goodness. (laughs) Thanks for listening.